Hi, friends. Welcome to the Femio Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Olaf Yoye Amagwenyi, speaker, writer, and self-love activist passionate about supporting Black women on our self-love journeys. I do this by sharing lessons and observations from my life in a way that is transparent, honest, and sometimes truly comical in the hopes that it encourages you on your path as well. All right, let's get into the episode. Welcome to season three, y'all. For today's show, I had the opportunity to interview the incredible Nikki Lynette, a creative multi-hyphenate in the fullest sense of the word who birthed the hit play Get Out Alive based on her personal mental health journey. Over the course of this powerful conversation, Nikki and I got to discuss the importance of representation in the mental wellness space, what it means to live on purpose, and why you are the only one responsible for making yourself happy. It's loaded, y'all. Take a listen. Hi, everybody. Um, so today I have with me Miss Nikki Lynette. Nikki, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. I wish I looked as cute as you do on the video right now. <laughs> Girl, please. It's the hat. We talked about it. It's a trick. <laughs> um, okay, so let's just like get into it because, you know, time is precious. Um, Nikki, will you please tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you're about, all the things. Um, I am, it's so weird to introduce myself these days because I, I am a multi-hyphenate. Yep. And now, you know, I, I sing, I write, I rap, I produce, mm-hmm. and playwright, and now I'm a filmmaker. Yes! <laughs> Ooh, we love it. <laughs> yeah. Most important, I am a mental health activist. So mm-hmm. I activate through my art, through um, experiences, and through actual advocacy mm-hmm. about mental illness. I love that. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like the mental health activism like drives everything else that you do. Does that feel correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that. Um, okay. So you have talking about being a playwright, Get Out Alive is your incredible play that uh, ran in Chicago. Will you tell us about that? So what happened was I wrote this play at the end of my suicide recovery Mm. and so it the things that i was unpacking in play are things that i was unpacking in therapy Mm -hmm. they were unpacking just for my wellness and what ended up happening was you know the person who actually like talked me into writing the play which is one of my producers ira antelis he told me wrote it if it's good you know maybe i'll be able to help you out with it like neither of us knew that I would come up with something weird enough to actually work. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So my work, my play got picked up by American Music Theater Project. Now it's the first black woman to ever have work produced by American Music Theater Project. Mm-hmm. We did workshop, which is like basically they invest in getting your play not janky. Amen. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then we debuted at Steppenwolf after our workshop. So that mm-hmm. was the following. That was 2020. And now in 2021, we are releasing, we're adapting that play to film. And on January 30th, we're yes. releasing the play. Yes. On, on where, where is it going to be? I get out alive.com. 
igetoutalive.com. Okay, awesome. And is it going to be free for um, viewing or is it like, do you pay for the subscription or like, how is that? How does that work? I am charging $15 and I'm releasing the film as four different episodes. Perfect. That feels like a steal, honestly, for a play that's done that well and four different like series episodes. Um, I don't know. It works for me. (laughs) To be like along the price of what you would pay for a ticket to theater. You know what I'm saying? You're going to see a play. Can't go out to you at home. Mm Mm-hmm. and plus, we're doing everything independently, so we could price stuff however we want. Mm-hmm. I got to because we're doing everything ourselves. Um, so I was able to keep it cheap because of the fact that we're independent. And people can know that the money that they spend is going directly to social impact art and the social impact artists and creators that created this project. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. That's a That's a great way to do it. I feel like that's... I don't know, like one of the biggest things, especially just in quarantine with like everything having to be like order online or like access online, like that's the biggest thing for me is just wanting to make sure that the money that I'm spending is going towards, you know, like healing like the community and like actually directly towards artists and stuff and people that create. So, um, and you're not like buying on Amazon again, you know what I mean? So I'm just like, I love that you're, that you've created a way for people like to directly uh, support you and support the artists. Yeah, and that's not to say that I don't want to end up on like a Netflix. Oh yeah, movie, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, starting out, we especially like it's not like it's just like a movie just for entertainment. It's about mental health. It's about mm-hmm. depression, suicide recovery, and how I you know grew beyond it. And so I want people to actually be able to see it. So you can't price it out of people's, you know what I'm saying? Yes, exactly. You have to make it available. Yeah, accessible pricing is a thing we need to be thinking about right Mm -hmm, now. mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so tell us why you think this conversation about mental health is important, like especially for Black women, if you think that. I mean, like... It's, it's hard for me to answer the question about, like, um, when it comes to black mental health, mm-hmm. the thing that it makes it a little difficult for me to talk about is for some reason, we think that we have to be stronger mm-hmm. than everybody. Mm-hmm. And so, like, where does that leave room for you to be a human being who's fallible? Like, when black women feel like, when black women feel depression, we mm-hmm. feel like we're first time you actually identify depression you it doesn't feel like depression for us it feels like failure Mm -hmm. and that's not what we need to like like black mental health because of the different things that we deal with and because of the cultural nuance to our experience it definitely has its own experience but at the same time we are humans every human has a brain Every human brain fires with synopsis. Like every human, every human body has adrenaline, dopamine, noradrenaline, oxytocin. Like every body has these same chemicals. Mental health is not like specific. Like that's one of the things I talked about in my TED talk. Mm. Like I have this idea that like we internalize mental health stigma so much mm-hmm. and it, it happens in our community. So how do we get beyond that internalized stigma? How do we get beyond these things being difficult to talk about or us denying our own humanity in the face of that stuff, I try to be a possibility model 
if I can get on a stage and talk about my mental breakdown mm-hmm. and about what's going on with me, then surely people who are watching it can talk to somebody they know, open up to somebody they know about what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, that's kind of like what I do too, where I'm like, my whole business model is about just sharing my life and sharing my the emotional growth and I've experienced, which means like I've been through some shit, right? And it's like, the point is to, like in the hopes that like, as you're being vulnerable, you free someone else to be vulnerable, you know? And like, that is like super important. I think, um, like you said, like this conversation, like because of the, because of the stigma around it, especially in the black community, especially I know for me, like my mom is, um, is a Nigerian woman. So I'm the daughter of immigrants and depression is like, is evil, right? It's like, it's like a demon. It's not (laughs) like if you, if you're depressed, you just aren't praying hard enough. So I think that that's something that's important to talk about too. Like when we're talking about the barriers that we have in the community to talking about depression and mental health it's like we don't feel like we're allowed to it it feels like failure because it's like that's what's been like put on us not only by the people around us but I would even also say like white supremacy is like the main like you know like oppression like even mentally that to feel like you don't get room to be a human like you mentioned you don't get room to like feel your feelings um so yeah, I totally, I agree with that. Like, I, And I think that's something too, is reminding ourselves like, yes, everybody has a brain. Everybody has these same um, chemicals and synapses firing and everything. So like, don't feel like you're less than for needing to like tune up <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Or just like help yourself out a little bit. Exactly. Like, you know, if you break your ankle, nobody's going to get mad at you for needing that crutch. Yes. No one's gonna pray. tell you pray, pray, uh pray. <laughs> yes. Pray. Yes. Don't get past. Don't go to the doctor to get your bone reset. Just pray. Just keep praying. Like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if you can if if having a broken ankle is serious enough to see a doctor, imagine having a broken brain. Mm-hmm. Like these things happen that can shock you. I live with PTSD right now because some stuff happened beyond my control. Mm-hmm. That I you know, my body took it as a shock. And so I still live, have complex post-traumatic stress disorder. I still have depressive episodes at times, you know. I still have high anxiety at times. But, like, I'm living my life right now. I'm doing a film, like, in a pandemic. I have hiring power for my friends. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, person with a mental illness. So, you know, like... I'm not really in a position where I could consider other people's stigma because if I consider other people's stigma, then that means I don't get to do nothing. Mm-hmm. I just sit at home because this is my real life. So I just talk about it. And what I've learned is that even, like when you talk about it, other people, even though in that moment they might not say nothing, they might circle back. Yo, that was really helpful. And mm-hmm. they helped me talk to you know, that representation matters because when I was going through my mental break, I looked for voices like mine and I couldn't find them. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to the psych hospital, the other women that were there also felt underrepresented. Like they couldn't find voices that spoke to them either. And so I told them then in the psych hospital when I got out that I would use my platform to tell our story. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Um, 
Yeah, I want to talk more about that too because I remember seeing that in an interview or something that you did where you mentioned that exact thing about not seeing voices that felt like you resonated with in the mental health space. Is that like with regard to like black women? Is that with regard to like artists? Is that with regard to like what? um, Yeah, just tell us more about like what felt like it was missing. It was all of it. Mm. Like I went... I found some stuff, but it was either too, like, along that toxic positivity, motivational speaking stuff that I don't like. Because I don't like that. Because you have to be, like, mental health exists on a spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say, you know, zero to ten. So Donald Trump to Barack Obama. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Most of us are somewhere in between Mm -hmm. on that spectrum. And, um, And so if you're closer to the to the Donald Trump end. <laughs> to the insane end. You know, a little less that, that stable end, mm-hmm. which is, I have, I have fucking been there. A lot of us have. If you're closer to this end, mm-hmm. um, it's not easy to receive that motivational speaking stuff mm-hmm. because you aren't really in the position of personal power. Now, if you're closer to this end, like, yeah, I can handle some motivation speaking now, but like, if I'm, if I'm chemically in my body not feeling it, then ain't no amount of positive speaking gonna do it. Yep. And so I didn't like professional speaking. I didn't like the ones that were super clinical. Because in order for me to even understand a lot of what I was reading, I had to actually go study on my own neuroscience, neuroanatomy, neurobiology, and then make friends with a female neuroscientist and ask her a bunch of questions mm-hmm. so I could about myself. Now I understand my mental health a whole lot, but not everybody has four or five months to just study neuroscience, neuroscience. <laughs> right just pick it up <laughs> right mm-hmm. you know i'm a nerd. i like to read anyway and i wanted to understand what was going on with me because if i figured if i could understand the science of it then i why would i feel bad because it's just a science but it's like it's not something i can control right but anyway it was too motivational speaky too clinical or too goofy like trying to make too part <laughs> of it and like or corny i can't mm-hmm. handle nothing like, I'm not going to sit through something corny just because it's, like, talking about something positive. I ain't doing that. Mm-hmm. I don't care. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then what did it feel like? Obviously, you've created something that felt like it worked for you. And, I'm, and I feel like it's working for, like, other Black women who have seen your work. So, like, what is the what's the, this is, this is going to sound corny. Speaking of corny, I'm so sorry. But what is the, like, the magic, like, thing? Like, what's the difference? What is the um, key ingredient, I guess, in, like, what you've created and how you're talking about it that feels like it can, like, resonate, connect, hit with, like, the people that haven't felt spoken to before? I mean, like, I don't, I think the two things that make my work unique is that one i don't mind if i don't look good mm. like i don't mind if it's not fun to talk about or if it don't make me look like the best person i'm not a role model <laughs> like i don't i'm gonna talk about what really actually happened like mm-hmm. i don't really care how it made me look like i'm alive like i wasn't even supposed to be here do you understand i almost wasn't here mm-hmm. so every i'm even alive it's like Every new season, it's like, wow, like, like, recently I realized I don't deal with winter as, as, as terribly as I used to. Like, mm. like, you look at stuff different. 
every year you get to still be alive when you almost wasn't here. It's like, yo, I get to see my nephews grow up. Like, mm-hmm. So I, it's because I don't care if people think I'm a good person or if people think I'm cute or if people think I'm talented. I don't really need that validation. Mm-hmm. I don't. If I decide, I decide what I am. Nobody does that for me. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I think that um, that unapologism that we as Black people get to have in 2021, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all in my work, all mm-hmm, in my work. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I don't know. Like I'm an empath. I'm a bleeding heart. It's all in my work and. I think people pick that up. Yeah. A lot. So I think that might be the secret song. I think that might be it. Yeah. Like, it's also really raw too. Like mm-hmm. it's not like super refined, like trying to be something that's not. Mm-hmm. And I think I hope that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, at least from what I've observed of people, like we respond really well to honesty. Like we respond really well to vulnerability and like rawness, like you said. Like that's why I maintain that, uh, I mean, Instagram has a whole bunch of issues right now. But like when stories first came out, like that's why they were so popular, right? Because it's like we want to be living life alongside each other. We don't want the like, I mean, the pretty pictures are great. The like filters are great and all that stuff. But like, we are more drawn in by like, let me just see what your life is like, like what your experience is like, because then I can like see mine reflected in that too, you know, like, and I think that is comforting for us. So I feel like that makes sense that all that is like what stands out in your work you know thank you for saying that um okay let's see let's girl there's so much that i want to get to okay i do want to talk to i mean we kind of i think like talked around this or like maybe specifically to it but i want to talk more about like that turnaround for you like that moment when you were like i am going to live like because i think that that is um I don't know. I feel like that's such like a magic, like, again, for lack of a better word moment when it's like you get to a point where you are in the dark and it's messy and like something shifts and you're like, all right, we're doing this other thing. So like, what was that for you? I never actually decided to not be suicidal anymore. Sure. Like, I didn't, I didn't do that to myself. Like mm-hmm. I, I try. I made a bunch of attempts to make that decision and it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so what I did was I accepted that I had the power to end my life. I'm like, okay, Mm. like suicide is my thing that I get to choose for myself. Nobody gets to take my active self-compassion away from me. It's my choice. And I can do it anytime. We're going to take the suicide card. We're going to stick that in our back pocket. We know it's there. Mm -hmm. We know it's there. But let's just take these baby steps. Today, you're going to get up. Go for a walk. You can sleep the rest of the day. But <laughs> yes. The next day, you're going to take a shower. And then the next day, you're going to go for a walk, take a shower, eat a meal. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> take a shower, eat a meal, clean up one room. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and then, like, it, and in the midst of this, I was also in therapy. And uh, when I first started this, I was on meds. And um, I don't like being on meds. I don't like how it makes me feel because I don't like the feeling of feeling. Um, 
I've never done drugs or weed, mm-hmm. like never drug or any weed or alcohol. So I don't like when I don't feel present. It's not familiar to mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. Like how it is in my body. It does not work for me. So I decided the meds weren't for me. But at the time, I needed them. They helped save my life. Mm-hmm. You know, every day was just waiting till therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, taking my meds, watching TED Talks, and just trying to do the work. And it was slow. It wasn't immediate. Like, it wasn't overnight. I wish I could tell y'all. Like, hey, do this, and you ain't gonna know the pressure. Listen, number. one, two, three, you're good in a week. <laughs> Only thing I was therapy and baby steps. That's mm-hmm, what it is. Mm-hmm. I know people going to therapy, even if you don't like therapy, even if you hate it, go because you need to understand why you don't like it. Yep. And then go, even if you find out therapy really ain't for you, then you know you can go look for something that is for you because everybody has mental hygiene. So mm-hmm. everybody doing something about their mental wellness regardless of like don't wait until it's messed up like we don't, <laughs> yes yes you know, your bone is broken and start taking vitamins with calcium in it like you you want to be strong you yep. know what i'm saying like yep you don't starve into eat you you eat, eat throughout you. yes so that's kind of how it is but mm-hmm. i all the time baby steps and people don't like to hit it because it requires patience a lot of patience <laughs> mm-hmm yeah. Um, I think that that is huge. I love the part where you said, like, I took responsibility for the fact or accepted the fact that I can kill myself at any time. Like, that is that is huge because I feel like when people talk about, like, suicide, death, all of that stuff, there's just, like, this – there's so much fear around it, right? Like, and, and understandably so because, like, those are really dark topics. But I think sometimes the fear of it keeps us from, like – addressing it like from like from being like this is where I'm at this is how I feel this is what's happening right now so like for you to to take response to take ownership of that be like this is my suicide card it's in my pocket it's accessible at any time but like let's try you know like you said going for a walk showering eating a meal in baby steps like I think that's a I feel like that's a really key um that's a really key action that you took there. You know, I think that's really, um, yeah, that's really great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It helped. It helped. And mm-hmm. so what I tell people, cause I don't know what else I could tell them. I mean, I wish I, man, I wish I could say the solution. Cause like, it's a certain, like the thing I understand, I wish so much I could just pluck it out of the world. I don't think people understand what it really feel like to live in a body that is controlled by emotional responses. Like, I don't feel, I can feel emotions in my body mm-hmm. or I ever feel it in my mind. Mm-hmm. This is how the body keeps the score. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's phenomena really well. But like, now that I'm at this particular point in my wellness, like I recently had an episode and it, it, it was coming for like a week before I knew what it was. It started mm. as like just stomach discomfort. And then it started with like the appetite. I'm like, oh shit, do I got the vid? Like, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> Not the vid. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> um, like, it, it, it started like, then I started feeling actual nervousness in my body. Mm. And I hadn't had anxiety attacks in so long that I was like, whoa, like. 
this is familiar. Is this what I think it is? Like, like, oh my God, the anxiety, the cortisol, and just living with it in your body. It is just exhausting. Mm -hmm. And so like, like my body reacts to trauma before my brain even registers what's going on. And that was just awful. Mm -hmm. Terrible. But I got through it quicker than I used to. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the work, ain't it? I mean, I yeah. gotta be alive. So yeah, I wish I put it like one day you'll have zero mental health issues. But I don't know that life. I don't know that life. But You're I right. do. I have mental health issues and still have a bomb life because here I am right now in right. the studio. We're in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I think that's actually like. I mean, I, obviously, I don't know how you feel about it because, like, this is your life and this is your body. So, like, and you've never experienced life a different way. So, it might be different, like, your perception of it. But my my thought when you're telling me that you feel things in your body and you're, like, aware of that first before it hits your brain, I feel like that's huge because I, I feel like I'm someone that had to kind of reverse engineer that. You know what I mean? Like, where it was, like, I got so dissociated from my body that everything was in my head. And she wasn't picking up on all the things that were happening. And so I was like, I was making decisions. I was running the streets. I was doing a lot of things that like, if I was, if I was able to tap into my body sooner, we would have maybe been able to notice what's happening a little bit quicker and make some different decisions. Do you know what I mean? So like, I say that all the time. Like I talk about the body all the time and like feeling emotions in the body because like, Yes, the body picks up on shit faster than our brains do most times. And she's also right more of the time, right? Like where it's like my body might feel something. My brain might have questions about it because she's got like anxious attachment happening up here and like depression and like all of these other things happening. But my body knows where she is, what she needs to be, what she needs to be doing, you know? So I think that's like, I think that's really cool. I mean, again, like I said, it's your experience. And I know that can be stressful when you're like, my body's like giving out on me what's going on, you know? Um, but yeah, I think that's huge. Like, that's definitely important to be able to tap into your body to, to figure out what's happening in your, in your life. Yeah, it's a little weird. Like, mm -hmm. I'm really not know that I feel it in my body before I feel it in my brain. It. I've learned some things. Like mm -hmm. I, I've, I don't have a depressive episode unless I have two or more triggers happen at the same time. Really, it's mm. three. Okay. Like, used to be as soon as I get triggered, I have an episode, and then it was more like two when stuff happened back to back. But now it's more like if I get two triggers, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Sleep. Let me chill. <laughs> but when it's three, it's like I'm, 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 I'm gonna need something. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna need to sit down. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So now that I know that I can do better, like I can, the second, you know, that first trigger happened is fine. That happened with life. But like that second one, I can be like, okay, y'all, I gotta, you know, I gotta chill for a second. I gotta mm -hmm. take a minute. You know, I gotta be a little less involved or I need y'all, I need to delegate or, you know what I'm saying? Mm hmm. And that's important information for me to have. It's going to lead to my quality of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. There's this question I'm dying to ask, and it's, like, maybe not the most important question, but I just really want to. <laughs> um, okay. So I saw a description of your work as Afro-Goth. 
And I would just like to know more about what that means. Because like I said, I feel like I love it. I don't know what it means, but it feels right. (laughs) So what is that? So like, I mean, like most of us in America, I know, are um, or a lot of us are familiar with goth culture. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize that um, there is a pretty strong movement of black people within goth culture. And I, you know, like, it's so interesting because... I grew up with, like, black alternative people, black punks and black goths being called Oreos and being called Mm -hmm. Salalatu. Yep. But we don't think about the fact that all of the punk scene, all of those original punk artists that came to be punk, that we know is alternative and rock and goth in those worlds, a lot of those very early people were inspired by people like Little Richard and Jimi Hendrix. Yep. No Little Richard, no Jimi Hendrix. No people to emulate them. No people who create the punk scene in New York mm-hmm. that into the alternative culture we have now. So don't come for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So, absolutely. So I call my play Afro God because my play deals very heavily with death mm. from a very black focal point because I am a black woman. My play. Like, like, I don't consider my play to be like a black play. <laughs> it's not a Tyler Perry play. I thought it was. I thought you worked with Tyler Perry. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm trying to get on Tyler Perry levels. So okay, I'm... please, please do because I think we need more black people, black women especially, on that level. Continue. <laughs> I think, like, when it comes to so, like, hip hop is not just black music. Black people invented it, and it somehow belongs to the world. Mm-hmm. So black black culture is popular culture. So I'm black. My play is popular culture. Mm-hmm. That's how we that. And so I wanted to make something like my focal point as a black woman who had this experience with my cultural upbringing and my spiritual practices, and I'm looking at death through that lens. And in God's culture, we ain't we ain't scared of death in that way mm-hmm. like there is no fear of it like we don't deny that the shadow side exists we don't we aren't and that doesn't mean it's a weird thing when people are like oh you got you worship satan and it's like them you have to believe in satan to worship them like that <laughs> you know what i'm saying like right. that's not like that's not what it is at all like for me when I use Afro Goth as a term to explain my work, I'm talking about when it comes to black people and heavy subjects and death, we laugh it off, we joke it off, we we have our own way of, of confronting death. Mm-hmm. That it's us. And I take that same attitude and use it to discuss a very heavy subject matter in my play. Mm-hmm. Because the it is about death. As much as it is about rebirth. Yeah. Yeah. And those two things are tied. I feel like that's the other point too, you know, like, um, I don't know why this is coming up in my head, but I was just thinking about tarot and how like, you know, when the death card comes up, like people tend to be afraid of that card in particular. And it's like, that doesn't necessarily mean like somebody's going to pass away. It could, but it also could mean just like transition or like, moving into growth like there's so many other um 
like things attached to the concept of death. So yeah, I think like, I, I love that idea of just like approaching it without fear and like seeing it as part of the growth process. Like things are going to have to die for things to grow. That's just how that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, yeah, I carry it. And, and, and that's the perspective I take in the play. Mm-hmm. So that's it. I forgot. I mean, plus like, I don't, even the aesthetic, like I don't, I am openly a black alternative chick. I am openly that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was that my entire life and I own it in my play. And it's so interesting that now, like those aesthetics and that culture is like now pretty popular. And I think it's like, like there are people that know they're kind of pissed about it, but I think it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I like people being themselves and, or at least just going against the grain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I feel like when I think of that, like the shift towards like more like black kids embracing like goth or punk or like whatever, I just see it as like more black kids feeling like they don't have to fit into some sort of stereotype of blackness. You know what I mean? Like it's just more black kids getting to enjoy. Like I, cause I remember like I grew up loving, I mean, like I was more of the pop punk (laughs) variation, but still a little bit. Like I had my little emo phase or whatever. And like, it felt like, I mean, I I was called Oreo for like so many reasons. And like, that was one of them, you know what I mean? And like (laughs) feeling like, because I like Paramore, like I like somehow like lost my blackness or something. So I'm like, I am so grateful to see other children. I actually just saw, I think like Haley Williams from Paramore, posted this video or posted videos of two black guys that are like discovering discovering Paramore's music and like loving it and like reacting to it and it was just like I'm just so I'm just really glad that more black children and young adults and people are feeling the freedom to like what they like and have it not feel like oh that's taking away my blackness or like whatever because that's that's bullshit it's, it, it really really it mm-hmm. could be like so, like, I'm proud of my work because of the fact that it is very black, very alternative. And, um, but again, like, it's not just, a, like, what's been interesting to me, just because this is, like, the one of the biggest projects I've ever worked on. And what's been really interesting to me is um, how black work is, like, how black culture is popular culture until black people do it. Listen. It <laughs> Listen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah and so like i had to be intentional about pushing back against that you don't just get to take my work and encapsulate it as just being black because i am a black person doing it and not a non-black person doing it mm-hmm. it does cooler when someone outside of our culture does it and it doesn't become only you know for us like no you're gonna give me my flowers mm-hmm. you are going you know, like, I'm not asking for a seat at the table. That seat is open. Get out of my way. I'm taking so, it. where I'm at right now. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love it. It's correct. Um, okay. I wanted to ask, I think you kind of touched on this a little bit, but, like, if you feel like talking about this, if you feel comfortable, um, has faith or spirituality played a role in your recovery? I feel like you already alluded to, like, yes, but, like, if you want to talk more about what that has looked like, and if so, like what is the role? Ooh, I always get like I never really know how much 
<laughs> I can say. Mm-hmm. You can say anything here. Anything that anything that you feels like saying. And if it's really a problem, we'll cut it out. But it's fine. <laughs> you can just talk. <laughs> I say that I do not adhere to my traditional Christian upbringing. Mm-hmm. I say that with pretty strong certainty that I don't feel that way. Um, but, and, and. <laughs> yes, and. Um, I don't have a problem with anybody that does. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it's not, I believe that whether there were to be a God or many gods or whether it's my ancestors who are walking with me, who actually have incentive to be in my life and mm-hmm. care about like whether it, regardless of any of it, it is my personal responsibility to be a good person. Mm-hmm. It's my responsibility to manifest what I want in my reality. Um, it's all my responsibility. And so there's a pretty strong role that spirituality has played in my recovery, but I don't even know how to articulate it because it is not in alignment with the traditional Christian view. And um, I'll just say that it is my belief, my personal belief that I am the creator of the experience that I'm having in this life, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm an active participant in the creation of it. I have to be. Mm-hmm. And through understanding that, I have been inspired to look at my mental health in a very different way. Mm. And I, I'm hesitant to talk about it because I'm not a mental health professional. I am a trained lived experience speaker through NAMI, through the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Like I've actually gone through training mm. to about my mental wellness, not just, you know, like going on social media and saying positive motivational thoughts. Right. Like, no training. I've talked to thousands of kids through the end in the silence program with the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Like, um, and even still, like I'm not a medical mental health professional, so I don't know how much of my stuff I can share with people and expect it to be impactful for them. It just sure. because it was impactful for me. Sure. Yeah. I would like a platform to talk about that stuff, but when I do it, I'm going to have to team up, I guess, with mental health professionals to quantify and explain and, and just drill home the extent to which what works for me might not work for everybody. Right. Yes. But my spirituality, I don't see spirituality as separate from the existence. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. like right like I don't think it's separate from nothing yeah That's not from relationships not from the words I use not from things I work on people I touch connections mm-hmm. I make yeah yeah um well thank you thank you for answering that question I think that that um I think that makes a lot of sense like you said like it feels like I agree that spirituality to me is in everything like literally every moment even like the things that you choose to the media that you take in the things that you eat like everything it's just like you know it affects it affects all of it so that makes a lot of sense um okay because well you know like I like am all about like black women and self-love and like to me like self-love overlaps with like mental health because it's like taking care of yourself right so like I wanted to ask you like what your self-love journey has been like and like obviously it's included in 
this mental health journey that you've been on, but like, what, what is it, what does it encompass for you? If there's anything that you've learned or like any practices that you love or anything like that. The biggest thing I learned in my self love journey, self acceptance, self realization journey Mm -hmm. is happiness is your responsibility. Mm. Don't you hold somebody else responsible for your purpose now. Don't do it. Don't you do it. Amen. Only contribute to the happiness you already got. Amen. If a person is in your life who is taken away from that happiness, then it is your responsibility to determine what they need to be. They need a space at your table Mm -hmm. because like your happiness, that like the ingredients, the pot, the, the, <laughs> yes. the, with, the seasoning, all of that is you. Other mm-hmm. people, like, you know what? I got a little curry. You know what? I got a little pepper. Some people could even say, you know what? I'm going to give you this whole bag of rice. Mm-hmm. Your- <laughs> <Yeah>, like, <laughs> right, yes. They do that. That's wonderful. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. It's always a gift. Mm-hmm. 100%. It's a gift. And but 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 that recipe that 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 pot that gotta be all you. Yep. And we go into we go into relationships a lot and friendships too. I was gonna bring that up. Yes. <laughs> to make us happy, girl. Ain't nobody gonna make you nothing. Better make like imagine somebody come into the room and say, "Make me something to eat." You are gonna be looking at them like, if you don't get your who, who are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> so like you can't expect people make me happy. Mm-hmm. Like it's not. A, Job is 100% yours. Yeah. And you might say, what if you're married and they're doing this and they're doing that? Still, still. What if you are in a, a situation where you are codependent? Still, it's always your responsibility to mm-hmm. look at your patterns, identify what you might be doing wrong or what you could be doing differently and heal the parts of yourself that are having you do things that are not in alignment with who your best self is. You mm-hmm. know who your best self is. Mm-hmm. You don't kind of think about it. And I just, I, I, I had a period of being very codependent after losing my son mm. and so codependent on his dad. And that allowed room for abuse. Mm-hmm. Was, so it was through understanding that my happiness is my responsibility that I was able to get past that codependency after losing my son and um, be at the point now where I'm comfortable alone i'm comfortable with people comfortable period mm-hmm. yeah that's so important i think you're right like I spe- especially in like romantic relationships that's like a huge thing is like and even because i feel like we've been taught it from like rom-coms and shit too you know it's like at the end there's the engagement it's like you make me so happy or like i want to make you happy for the rest of my life or like whatever and it's like that's cute on tv i guess but that's not at all feasible like to to devote your life to making someone else happy or to expect someone else to make you happy is just a recipe for disaster like you said like it's it's literally impossible and you're just setting yourself up for codependence and um letting like giving you're giving out your power you're giving away your power you know yeah yeah oh it's hard though it's and i feel like yeah that's that's a tough one for people i mean a lot of us just have been taught codependence as relating to people even not even just romantically but like parents sibling like you know what I mean familial relationships can get really codependent so I'm glad that you said that thank you for sharing that (laughs) because it's absolutely true nobody can make you happy um okay a couple a couple more questions 
Um, I just want to know how and where you find rest because it feels like you have so many things going on. Right. <laughs> exactly. But rest is important. We know. So it's like, how do you, how do you find rest for yourself? Lately, um, because it's crunch time, and because this play is coming out at the end of the month, mm-hmm. I, I could use more rest than I'm currently getting. Um, mm-hmm. I to set aside time to make sure I get enough sleep. But I have, again, I have PTSD. So managing um, issues with sleep disturbances is just kind of part of my life. Mm-hmm. It's bad as it used to be, which is, you know, I'll take it. But um, when I'm not super busy like this, I, I sleep okay. I rest okay. It's just that when I'm in the middle of a project I really like, it sometimes becomes difficult to sleep. I have sure. certain It's like anxiety don't care if you're happy or not. It's right. really just, you could be happy. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could feel anxiety without feeling depression. You could feel depression without anxiety. And you can have both at the same time. Obviously, mm-hmm. And so, um, I think like one thing I'm planning is I'm taking a break when my play is done being edited. I'm taking a break, and I don't care what that means. Yes, <laughs> taking one. Like Just- I, I wish I could. Like I was talking to a friend of mine. I'm so salty that I can't just go on vacation. Whenever I see people posting right. their COVID vacation vacation pictures, yeah. I, like what the fuck are you doing what are you doing we're in a pandemic (laughs) it's a pandemic i feel bad because i need a fucking vacation real bad like i need to go somewhere warm and just do amen it's not safe right it's just not it's just not um yeah i know i've been thinking about that too because it's just like just thinking like forecasting like how long are we going to be (laughs) like in this like it feels like it's going to be 2021 like for sure and then like maybe 2022 2023 things open up but yeah that's a that's tough (laughs) that's a tough one to look at um okay if you if you or if someone has been struggling deeply with their mental health and has yet to open up about it what advice would you give them you don't have to open up to people that you know and care about first. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to do that. <laughs> Sometimes it's safer to not do that. I'm going to say, I'm going to interject and say that. Sometimes the people around you are not safe to open up to. So anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah, especially if like, this is the first time you had that type of conversation with them. The first time I had that type of conversation was when I called NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental Illness. Mm. Like, when I was suicidal or I just wanted to understand if what I was feeling was valid. So I called NAMI and like now a few years later, I'm an ambassador for them. So like I, you don't have to necessarily speak to people that you know, you can call an organization and talk to them about what you're feeling. Uh, I like NAMI because they help you with resources. They don't only just like talk to you and say nice words. They also like, there's that too. But mm-hmm. they also figure out resources if they can. Mm-hmm. It might sometimes be easier to just call this organization with a stranger that was trained to know how to talk to you. And when you are feeling this way and to answer your questions is low, you know, low investment, no risk, it's free. So I recommend 
first reaching out to an organization like that and talking about your feelings, it might actually help you feel a little bit bolder about talking to people that you care about. The only thing that I always tell people is just, you don't have to like sit and not do nothing. Like, you know, you don't have to do that, right? Like, you know, you get to have feelings and be human and you can't, you don't have to like legislate how you feel based on other people's opinions of you, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody thinks that you're weak or weaker than them because you have trauma responses in your body because you have neurons in your body that wire together that make you feel these particular emotions because you got chemical, you got low serotonin or too much adrenaline and too mm-hmm. much nor and now you're a bad person because of- <laughs> you're a bad person. Uh huh. Looking a week because of neurons and your chemicals. That sounds right. dumb. Right. Like, right. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah. That's dumb. It is dumb. dumb. <laughs> it is. It is. That's yes. Like- it's like yelling at table salt for having sodium in it. That's stupid. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. Like, what, don't be, don't participate in that dumbass. Y'all gotta do that. You know right. what I'm saying? <laughs> right. It's, like, it's okay to not be okay, and you don't have to be not okay forever. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I love that. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, please tell us where, like, remind us, I know you said it earlier, but I want to remind us again where we can find Get Out Alive when it comes out um, online, and then also where we can, like, just keep up with you and your projects and all that stuff. You can go to igetoutalive.com. You can see a very beautiful trailer we put together for the film. Um, You can buy tickets. They're very cheap. It's $15. There is a more pricey option if you get it like that, but I just, like I said, I want to affordable for everybody mm-hmm. ever just want to reach out to me directly my name is at nikki lynette n-i-k-k-i-o-y-n-e-t-t-e on like pretty much all social media and um if i see your message i, I, I reply like i'm pretty accessible so yeah awesome okay well thank you nikki so much for being with us and for taking the time out of your busy schedule (laughs) to talk to (laughs) us about like what's going on and who you are and all that stuff. I very much enjoyed this conversation. Um, and I wish you the best and I can't wait to watch get out alive. It sounds incredible. (laughs) So much. It was great talking to you as well. Hey, thank you for listening to another episode of the Femio podcast. Before you go, don't forget to follow rate and leave a review. If you want to stay in touch, find me on Instagram at Femio. To support Femio and the Femio podcast, you can visit paypal.me slash Femio. Talk soon. Mm-hmm.